Now today, I have the great privilege of continuing our series entitled Mark It Up. And so for all of the kids in the room and all of the kids at heart, we have an activity sheet for you entitled Always Trust Jesus. In every circumstance of life, we can trust Jesus. I want to encourage you today to trust him. In fact, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about the title of this series, Mark It Up. And I realized that all of us, we have been marked by this moment. Whether it's confinement or COVID or cultural issues, we've all been marked. But the one who was marked in his hands for us, marked us for this moment. It's not by accident that you're alive in this moment and in this time. And if he marked you through this moment or for this moment, he's going to make you in this moment. I want to encourage you. We are going to make it through because he marked us for this moment. But in spite of all this, many of us, we feel like God doesn't make sense. Have you ever felt like God doesn't make sense? I know in this season, there have been things that have come up that don't seem to make sense to me. I know many of you, you started off the year. In fact, some of you started a business or started a new job and you were excited. But now you're facing downsizing or having to scale back your business just to keep it open. Some of you, you had summer plans, but now you're confined. Others of you, you had plans to do different things, but now someone in your family is ill. Some of you, you've been praying for months and even years to be parents, but it hasn't happened yet. And you're saying, God... Right now, you don't make sense. So today, I've titled my message, When God Doesn't Make Sense. How do we make sense when God doesn't make sense? You know, in the Bible, there are some people who felt like Jesus didn't make a whole lot of sense. In fact, in John chapter, excuse me, in Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 22, we see the story of some people in Jesus' life who felt like he didn't make sense. So I want to invite you right now to open up your Bible, open up your Bible app, open up your Westover app. Let's look at the Word of God together. In this story, it starts off by Jesus being invited over to a friend's house. He's invited over for a meal. And right as he and his disciples are about to sit down to have a meal, there's a knock at the door. So the owner of the home goes and opens the door And to his surprise, there's a crowd outside. And the crowd is pushing into the house. So much so that Jesus says to the disciples, hold on, wait a minute. We are not going to eat right now. We've got to attend to the people. The crowd pushed through. Pushed into the house to get to Jesus because they heard a rumor that Jesus was in the house. I want to tell you today that Jesus is in the house. And are you willing today to be like that crowd? Are you willing to push aside the things that are right in front of you to get to Jesus? I want to challenge you today to push through and get to Jesus. At the very end of our time, we're going to have an altar moment. We're going to have a prayer moment. And I want to invite you right now to decide that you're going to push through to get to Jesus. I want to read to you the scripture from Mark chapter 3 verses 20 through 22. Listen to this. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered. What tells me 
in this passage is that this had happened before. This was a common occurrence. So that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. His family was concerned about him. They were concerned that he wasn't eating, that he wasn't sleeping, that he was attending to the needs of people, and they were worried about him. His family was worried about him. Even some scholars seem to think that the disciples were the ones that sent the message to, to Jesus' brother saying, your brother is acting strange. We need you to come and take charge of him. Verse 22, and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. What strikes me about this passage is the fact that everyone in Jesus' life, from the disciples to his family to even the teachers of the law, were confused. Jesus was not making sense. And in this season, we need God to make sense. I don't know about you, but I need God to make sense for me in this season. I need him to clarify. So before we get into the message, I want us to pause Whenever you don't know what to do, pause and pray and ask God to illuminate your mind and heart. Let's go to the Lord. God, we come to you. We're in a moment and in a season when you don't make sense. But it's not because you're wrong. It's because we don't fully see the picture. So many of us, we started off the year with 2020 vision. We saw clearly what this year was going to be. And then an interruption happened. And now our vision is foggy. We know that hindsight is 2020. But right now we need spiritual insight and spiritual foresight to see what's coming. We need you to clarify our mind and our heart. We need you to help us make sense of this moment. So God, I ask you through your Holy Spirit that you would illuminate our minds and hearts. That you would reveal something to us about your nature and about what you're doing in this season to carry us forward. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said... Amen. When you look at this passage, you see Jesus do or allow two things. Number one, Jesus permits an interruption. They're over at this house to have a meal. And Jesus permits an interruption. He tells the owner, step aside, we're going to attend to this crowd. I'm sure his disciples felt inconvenienced. I'm sure the owner of the house felt inconvenienced. But the Bible doesn't focus on them. It focuses on the crowd who needed a breakthrough. And it wasn't just to, to speak the good news. It was people who were desperate for God. There were people who were possessed by demons and they needed freedom. And so the people pushed in to get to Jesus. So he permitted an interruption. Here's my question for us today. Are we willing to allow God to interrupt our life? Are you willing to let God interrupt your life. Many of you, you had plan A at the beginning of the year. You knew what you were going to do for spring break. You knew what you were going to do to celebrate your son's graduation, your daughter's birthday. You even had your summer plans and your holiday plans all mapped out. Now plan A has gone out the window. Here's my question. What if our plan A is getting in the way of God's plan A? What if God has another plan in mind? What if our plan B is actually God's plan A. How do, we, how do we negotiate that? How do we resolve that in our hearts? Some of you, you prayed for a breakthrough, but all of you experienced is a breakdown. I want to encourage you. 
from the book of Jeremiah. This is what God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18, 2 through 4. He says, go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working at the wheel. But the, potter, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. The pot had one plan, plan A. But the potter had plan B for the pot. For you see, sometimes God has to break us in order to remake us. Sometimes we have to have a breakdown before we have a breakthrough. Often our plan B or plan H is God's plan A. And are you willing to let God interrupt your life and give you his plan A? Are you willing to let God disrupt your status quo? Are you willing to let him disrupt your situation? Are you willing to allow him to interrupt what you have in mind so that he can give you what he wants to give you? If God just meets your needs, he can't exceed them. Jesus' family had a plan for him. And they were so concerned about the fact that he was breaking their plan that they went to go visit him and they said, he's out of his mind. In fact, I think that, and just if you'll permit me, I think that if they were in this modern time that his family came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, Jesus, calm down. You're being a little extra. You're criticizing the religious leaders. You're disrupting things. You're healing people. You're, you're raising the dead. You're... Casting out demons, we just need you to teach nice things and be politically correct. What his family did not realize is that Jesus has zero interest in being politically correct. Why? Because Jesus is not a politician. He's a king. And he's not just a king, he's the king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And kings are kingdom minded. They're not politically minded. In fact, Jesus doesn't politic for power. He rules with power. He sits upon the throne, ruling and reigning. He did that then. He, he will do that today. He will do that tomorrow. And he will do that till the end of the age. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he deserves our praise. When you're in a situation, we need to allow God to interrupt us. This was the mindset of Jesus. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Your plan A is only what you can see, but God's plan A for you is much higher. He wants to exceed your needs. And in order to do that, he has to wreck your plans. He has to challenge your status quo. He's got to do something different in your life. In this season, if God doesn't make sense, it's not because he's wrong. It's because we don't see the full picture. He sees and knows everything, and he's in control of everything. And we need to permit Jesus to cause an interruption in our life. The second action that we see from Jesus in this passage is that Jesus creates a disruption. He invites the crowd in. He begins to teach them. He begins to cast out demons. So much so that it catches the attention of the teachers of the law. So much so that they travel 80 miles. Most scholars seem to believe that at this time he was up in Capernaum, which was his base camp when he was here on earth. Some of you who've been to Israel, you can imagine that in your mind right now. But they traveled 80 miles from Jerusalem to Capernaum 
for two reasons. Number one, to discredit his ministry and to undermine his authority. They were so concerned, they were spreading misinformation. They said, Jesus, he is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Jesus goes on to say, parenthetically, I'm not, I don't have time to get into this, but if you look at the text a little further, he says, Jesus says to these religious leaders, he says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That same principle applies to us today. We as the church cannot be divided by cultural issues. We must be unified by Christ. What the world needs now is a unified church. A divided world needs a unified church. And our primary identity and our primary focus is to be unified by Jesus Christ. I want to make note of this. When you see an interruption in the natural... It's because Jesus is disrupting something in the supernatural. If there's one thing I want you to get, it's this idea that if you see ripples happening happening, and interruptions happening in the natural, it's because Jesus is disrupting something in the supernatural. And I say, God, cause it to happen. I'm willing to be inconvenienced. I'm willing to be made uh, uncomfortable because I know you're disrupting something in the supernatural. Recently, I was in a prayer moment. Asking God, saying, God, why is all of this happening? And I found that God reserves the right to not tell me. But I sensed in my heart him say this. He said, Jonathan, I am shaking everything that is unshakable. So that all that remains is what is unshakable. And that's me. In fact, this is what Hebrews 12, 26 and 27 says. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. God wants us to see that he is unshakable. The things that we put our confidence in, our 401k, our bank account, our employment, our health, All of that goes out the window because those things can be shaken. But Jesus Christ can never be shaken. He is the rock on which we stand and we can trust him in this season. Are you willing to let God rock your world? Are you willing to allow him to disrupt your status quo? Don't settle for the status quo. Let him wreck your status quo. I have found that if God rattles your world, it's to realign your reality. If he's rattling your world right now, it's because he's bringing things into alignment so that you can follow his plan and his purpose. I want to give you two thoughts when God doesn't make sense. Two steps that we can take when God doesn't make sense. Number one is to hold God's hand. Now, some of you know I have a nine-year-old daughter. Her name is Alexis. And uh, from time to time, she lets me hold her hand. Not all the time, but occasionally. But there's one circumstance where she consistently grabs me by the hand. She holds my hand. It's when she's scared or when she's worried. She'll reach up, she'll put her hand in mine, and she'll hold it tight. And when that happens, I hold it tight. Why? Because I want to communicate to her that I'm going to protect her. I'm going to take care of her. She knows that I'm a good dad, and that I'm going to protect her and take care of her. And I was thinking... This is what God wants us to do in this moment. He wants us to take him by the hand. 
For you see, many of us, we know him as Savior and as Lord, but he wants us to go deeper with him and see him as Abba Father. He wants us to take him by the hand and hold his hand. And so in this season, I want to invite you to extend your hand to God. Reach out to him. This is what Isaiah 41.10 says. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God has a righteous right hand. He will pick you up. He will hold you up in this season. Just extend your hand to him. But not only will he lift you up, he will actually lift you up out of the mud. This is what King David said in Psalm 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud, and out of the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I don't know about you, but he's pulled me out of the mud several times. And I know with confidence that in this circumstance, he's going to pull me out of the mud. He's going to pull you out of the mud. He's going to pull your neighbor, your coworker, your family member, your tío, your tía, your grandpa, your abuelo, abuela. He's going to pull all of them out of the mud because he promises and his, his word is good and faithful. I found that if, if you're willing to give God your hand, he'll give you a firm place to stand. He will put you on a rock. He will put you upon himself because he is the solid rock on which we stand. Allow him to be what you stand on in this moment. And in just a moment when we have our worship moment, can I challenge you to raise your hands and worship God And in that moment, imagine for a moment that you're putting your hand in God's hand and hold his hand in this moment. The second step to take when God doesn't make sense is to trust God's heart. To trust God's heart. Now, today I don't say this as a pastor. I actually say this from personal experience. 30 years ago, my family and I, we were excited because my parents were going to have a child. We were waiting anxiously for the arrival of my brother Jacob. We were excited. And I was excited especially because I, up to that point, I was only eight years old, but I was excited to be a big brother. I had always been a smaller brother. I had always been been controlled by my older brother, but now I was going to be a big brother. I was going to be able to take care of my little brother. And I remember vividly waiting in a hospital on-call room. My dad was a doctor at the hospital. And my brother and I, we were there waiting, and so we were tired. We fell asleep, and at 5 in the morning, my dad comes in. And he wakes us up. He says, Jacob has arrived. We're excited. They said, I'm going to come back in, in a couple hours and get you. He said, go back to sleep. Well, we didn't go back to sleep. We were so excited. We wanted to meet Jacob. So my dad took us. He took us over to the little bassinet. We looked down, and we saw the most beautiful person we'd ever seen. We saw Jacob. We were excited. And then my parents led us out of the room. And I remember standing outside the hospital room, hearing my mom crying. And I didn't understand why. Why was my mom crying? This should have been the most happy moment of our family, but my mom was crying. I didn't understand why. What I didn't know at the moment was that my brother has Down syndrome. And the reason that they were crying was because he had congenital heart defects and the doctors weren't sure he was going to make it. My mom was worried in her heart. And so what did we do in that moment? We had to trust God. Well, the good news is, is that God has been good and faithful. 
For you see, yesterday was my brother's 30th birthday. This is Jacob. He's 30. God has been good. God has been faithful to our family. In fact, heart defects weren't part of our plan A, but it was part of God's plan A. Many of us, we see his heart defects as his heart being physically broken, but God knew that we needed his heart in our family. My brother's had three heart surgeries, and he's made, made it through all of them. God has been good and faithful. We've had to trust God's heart with Jacob's heart. My brother is not a mistake. He's a miracle. He's a miracle. And in our family, he's our hero. In fact, Jacob is my hero. He says, John, I'm so proud of you. You you stand up there and you preach. But what he doesn't know is that he's my hero. He's taught me more about trusting God and knowing the heart of God because his love for family and his love for God is pure. I tell him all the time, Jacob, you give the very best hugs. And I've learned to trust God. So what do you do when life falls apart? What do you do when the layoff comes? When the funds run out? When the court case doesn't go your way? When the divorce papers are finalized? When the eviction notice comes and when the diagnosis isn't what you expected? You just trust God's heart. He hasn't failed you yet. You can trust him in this moment. This is a hard lesson. But when God is all you have, you discover that he's all you need. And for some of you today, you need to discover that God is what you need in this moment. And as I close, I want to invite you to stand. I want you to stand with me. We're going to step into our altar moment. But before we do, I want to tell you a story. We're in a season with COVID, and it seems like everything's unexpected. But what some of us don't realize is that 102 years ago, in 1918, our country encountered the Spanish flu. We've been through this before. In fact, the Assemblies of God was just four years old. And people in that time had to learn to trust God's heart. The health department shut down their churches and the people were scattered. But what the records tell us is that the people in that time did four things. Number one, they were unified. Number two, they were burdened for the lost. Number three, they prayed for the sick. In fact, they stood outside people's homes, extended their hands and prayed for healing and breakthrough. And the moments when they couldn't gather at church, what did they do? They read God's word and they prayed. They sought the heart of God. They humbled themselves. They prayed. They sought God's face. They aligned their life. They asked God to forgive their sin. And they asked God, would you heal us? And I want to speak to those of you who are in a bedroom or in a hospital room and you're facing COVID right now. Here's a story of a lady from 1918. She was sick with the flu. Listen to this. She said, one night I went to bed feeling very ill. Cold chills, 
shooting pains all through me. At 2 a.m. when the battle began, I discovered that the Holy Spirit was interceding for me. When God is all you have, you discover he is all you need. We can hold his hand. We can trust his heart. The good news is she made it through to tell her story. And I believe that God led her through that moment to minister in that moment to that season, but also to minister to us today, here and now. We're only going to make it if we intercede. We're only going to make it if we seek God's face and we see him as our only and our best hope. So today, if you're at the end of your rope, I want you to know that God is at the end of the rope with you. When he is all you have, you discover he's all you need. And if you're here and you're at the end of your rope, this moment is specifically for you. And when the worship team comes up to lead us in worship, I'm gonna invite you to come up to these spots at our altar that are for social distancing. I'm gonna invite you to come up. You can bring your family. Our pastors are gonna walk through and offer a contactless prayer. They're gonna extend their hands to you and pray over you and pray that God would help you discover that at the end of the rope, he is there. This is what Romans 8.26 says. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. If you don't know how to pray, just groan in your heart to God and the spirit will intercede with you. Worship team, would you lead us? Help us discover that he is bigger than we thought.